Welcome back to the Corporate Escapee Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Trainer. Today's guest is Victoria Tredis. Victoria was a little bit ahead of my escape, and I've been following her journey closely. She started as a virtual assistant, then created a company to help other companies find the right virtual assistant before pivoting into what she's doing now, which is neuro-inclusive coaching. Did I get that right? Which we're going to get into Perfect. for sure. Uh, for business owners, teams, and employees, as we were talking off, offline, the main reason I wanted to have Victoria back on the program is to talk about her post-escape journey. You know, as we, we've talked on the podcast, it's about just get started, right? Get the momentum, get out. There's plenty of different paths you can go and then pivot, evolve, figure out what you want to do. And that's exactly what Victoria has done. And she's going to be kind enough to, to kind of share that with us today. I think that was it. I went off cue a little bit there, Victoria. So welcome back to the podcast. You were episode 30. So what more that makes that about 150 episodes ago. So it's good oh to have you gosh. back. It's been too long. Thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to see you again. Likewise. And like I said, we needed to touch up the class and bring in some of the, the UK and the international flavor back into the <laughs> to the podcast. So so thank you. Um well, first of all, why don't you explain a little bit about what what your current business is, and then we'll we'll take a, a couple steps back and see how you got here. Sure, thank you. So, I am a certified coach. I am registered with the International Coaching Federation, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but if you look on LinkedIn and search for coaches, you will see there are hundreds of thousands of coaches. And the problem is that the industry is completely unregulated. So, it was really important to me to retrain with a particular body so that I can say that I am trained to a certain standard and so that I abide by set code of um, ethics and standards as well. So I specialize in um, neurodiversity. So I work with people with ADHD, dyslexia and autism, both individuals and in the corporate world as well. And I know that's a little bit ironic given the title of the show, but hopefully it will all make sense. <laughs> you know, what, what led you into the path to work, you know, in that this specific area? After I retrained as a coach I started to do more coaching with autistic adults and I just thought it was a really fascinating um, area I felt like I was really making an impact the clients were having real light bulb moments and you know maybe somewhat selfishly it gave me the feel-good factor because I knew I was having such a positive impact Um, and I think the great thing about coaching is that it's about being genuinely curious about the other person so it's creating that psychological safety and um that nice environment for people to really open up and do the inner work to help them realize okay this is where they are right now this is where I want to be in the future what do I need to do what are the little steps I need to take in order to bridge that gap in order to move forward so it's super interesting work and I feel like I'm having an impact. That's so. awesome. And that's what we're all trying to do, I think, at the end of the day. Or at least right now, we're get, at least the folks I'm working with are, I mean, I think you said that so well, curious, right? I think it's, I, I think I have a post or I have one coming out talking about, you know, curiosity is a superpower because most people truly aren't curious. They'll ask a question just to get to a next point without truly listening or understanding, you know, what the other person is saying. And, you know, until, until I started paying attention to that, it was crazy how very few people actually listen, which then I tie back to the curiosity piece of it, right? But maybe before we get back into how the how you transition, the 
the certification, would you recommend that to folks that are looking to get into coaching? I mean, is it a differentiator of your clients paying attention to that? Do you know what? I don't think the clients are paying attention to it that much, but I think it gives me a certain level of confidence um, in my own skills and in my own abilities, because I've been I've been on the receiving end of, you know, coaching in inverted commas with other people and it hasn't been coaching. It's been useful, but it hasn't been non-directive. It hasn't been uh, it hasn't been picking up on words I say repeatedly and then digging deeper into that. It's been more maybe mentoring, maybe telling, maybe consultancy. And I think when you're buying into coaching, you know, it it is a completely different angle. So now you're a coach, but when you left corporate, it was the virtual assistant, right? Before it was became super popular. And, you know, so kind of walk through the thought press. One, why did you leave? Two, you know, why VA? Do you know what? That's such a good question because actually I was already working as an employed VA and I didn't know that that's what I was doing. I just thought I was an executive assistant who worked from home, but it meant that my daughter was in childcare full time. I didn't really have any homeworking uh, flexibility. So I wanted something a little bit more. I always assumed that running a business was for other people, I didn't think I had the the confidence, the, the skills. And although I knew how to do my job really well in terms of the delivery, I knew nothing about marketing or accounting or any of those other hats that you need to wear as a business owner. So what happened was I ended up having quite a long and complicated miscarriage in 2016. And as a result of that, I just started reevaluating where I was in life and what I wanted to do next. So I heard somebody told me about the term virtual assistant. And I was like, wow, what, what is this? Is this actually what I've been doing all this time? And I found a Facebook group on the 4th of July, 2016, I binged all of the content in that Facebook group and the associated website. And within about a week, I had handed my notice in because no I just kidding. thought it's now on. It's now or never. Um, what have I got to lose? Worst case scenario, it doesn't work out. I'll just find another job. It's not the end of the world, but at least I can say I've tried, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was a little bit tricky because Obviously, I was an employed VA, then starting my own VA business. And the guidance they would normally tell you if you are transitioning from a role to being self-employed would be to um, like do the two jobs side by side. So continue your day job and then try and build your business on the side. And then once you've got enough revenue or client base or hours under your belt um, in your own business, then you can slowly transition out the other uh, role. But because I was technically a, a competitor, I couldn't do that. Oh, I had yeah. to make a real clean break. So what that also meant was that I couldn't take any of my clients with me, apart from one. I, they, they allowed me to take one small client uh, who I still work with now, oh, actually, awesome. <laughs> even though I'm I'm doing coaching now. We've continued that relationship. So I support her behind the scenes in her business. Um, but it also meant I didn't have any social proof or any testimonials because I couldn't ask the people who I'd been working with to then promote me in this new business. So I felt like that was a really steep learning curve because it was properly, you know, we're going into this, completely immerse myself in it. So I wouldn't recommend other people do that. 
I would recommend you do the daytime job or whatever it is alongside your side business until you can eventually tip the scales. But obviously, do make sure that you check your employment contract to make sure that you can do a side job in addition to your main job as well. Um, but yeah, it was just my circumstances meant that I couldn't I couldn't do that. The only challenge doing it side by side is you've really got to be invested in it, which, you know, if you treat it as a hobby, you may you're probably only going to get the results as a hobby. Um, and again, I'm not an all in, say, you know, walk away. I've got a mortgage, all these college, whatever <laughs> yeah, exactly. it is, right? You've got to be prepared for it. But to your point, the, you know, the beauty is you can always go back and get another job, right? I mean, uh, I, and I'm so glad you brought up the, the proof points because we don't talk about that enough. And one of the things that I try to get people to think about is it's okay if you don't have it on your own. If you've got 20 years or 25 years of experience, you've got proof points with within your job that you can rely on. All right. So now you, you've said, all right, I'm going, I'm going in the VA, you got your one small customer, which is a testimonial itself that it's still a customer, you know, six, seven years later, which is fantastic. So how did you get your first customers and from a delivery standpoint, was, was it just all trial and error or you? Um, I went to networking events and um, as I'm talking to you now, I can feel my like shoulders prickle because I am not good at networking events I don't um, I'm very introverted I don't do small talk very well I had never been in a networking environment as an employee so it felt so outside of my comfort zone so I really had to push myself through that what it did do was help me gain confidence more quickly I think because well, what was the alternative? I was just going to sit at home and do nothing. I, I couldn't do that. I had to do something. Um, I felt like it was extra tricky for me. Check me out being so precious about all my trickiness. I don't mean that. But we've all had challenges and that they felt really big at the time. But um, when I was employed, I lived in London and we bought a house here in Nottingham, which is about two hours north of London. So I was living in London Monday to Friday and just coming back um, here at weekends. So when I um, left London and I was employed, an employed VA, I was working from home. So I still didn't know anybody here in Nottinghamshire. I'd never worked with anybody here because all of my clients were down south. So when I started my own business, I didn't know anybody up here. So it's not like you can go to a networking event and see a friendly face because there's an old colleague that you used to work with five years ago. I genuinely didn't know anybody. So I think that goes back to the whole like being thrown in the deep end and just going, well, what's the alternative? I have to at least try this. So my first client actually came from a networking event for um, basic VA admin around her business. And I think just signing that first client, you know, being self-employed is such a roller coaster. You know, every day before you get the client, you're like, oh, this is such a pain. When's it going to pay off? You know, this is taking so long. They told me that I was going to be earning my salary by now and that hasn't happened. Um, and then suddenly you sign one client and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. You know, now I've got everything that I dreamed of. I've got a bit of hope again. So it can make all of all of the difference. And then, and again, I think that comes back to confidence. I think confidence might be the theme of this because then when you've got that one, it's almost like that snowball effect because then they can introduce you to other people. They can give you the testimonial for the social proof. And then you move on like that. Yeah, such, such, it's so true. The confidence is, it's unbelievable. And, you know, part of the reason why I got into the 
the escapees side of this was seeing folks with zero experience starting and running really successful businesses, telling other people how to do it where they had zero experience. I'm like, this is, this is dumb, right? So how do we take folks that actually have a lot of experience that may not have the confidence to say, you know, does anybody want to hear from me or do this? Yes, they do, right? I mean, there's enough proof of folks that have no idea what they're talking about that have built successful because people are hungry to learn and want to learn. I, you know, one of the things I, I talk about quite a bit is, you know, limiting beliefs throughout the course of the course. Early in my career, I'm like, why can't we do this? Why can't we do this? Why don't we do that? Why? I mean, everything was why not, why not, why not? And then by the end, it just becomes incremental. We're like, oh, maybe we shouldn't take that that risk. And so it's really changing that mindset to just say, why not? Why not you, right? Because you know, you've got the skills, you've learned from it. So yeah, the confidence, you know, like I said, I think maybe three, four or five years ago before I started this, I would have been all about, no, you just execute and you can grow a good business. But, but the mental side of this is, and the softer side is almost as critical, if not more important than the actual skills itself. So how long did it take? Because then your business actually did kind of start to pivot, if I remember this right, and you can check my, my facts, but you went from doing VA work and then to helping other people learn how to do VA work and then also almost, almost kind of a, mar a marketplace for VAs and right. So maybe talk about when you started to think, all right, I've got some momentum. What were you thinking? What's next? I don't like to do this anymore. Where, where, where was your head when you were doing that? Yeah, that's a good question. So I did the VA thing for a while. I built a small team of associates so that I could scale. I hired an office space. I took on employees. Um, and then I, <laughs> I kind of realized that I was building somebody else's dream, that this was the path that I saw on social media that other people were doing and they seemed happy and they seemed to be making good money. And it looked great, but I realized it wasn't for me. So I kind of scaled back. And then overlapping with that, I got a little bit bored of the VA side and the pure delivery. So I thought, okay, what can I do that's going to make it feel a little bit more interesting and exciting? And I would never have considered me to be creative in the artistic sense. But what I realized I was missing was some kind of creative expression and learning. So I started um, thinking about, okay, let me do email marketing. Let me learn about email marketing. How can it support my business? What do I need to sell or what could I sell through an email marketing perspective? You know, if we're going, okay, they go to my website, they can download a freebie, they get on my email list and I send them a series of emails. But what am, what am I going to sell them? And I realized that a lot of people signing up were virtual assistants. So I thought, okay, so now I'm creating this um, uh, like community of virtual assistants, but what is it that I've actually got for them? Um so that's when I started thinking about the, it was a VA matchmaking agency where virtual assistants would sign up with me, tell me their skills, tell me their availability. And then clients needing a VA would come to me and go, this is who I need. And I'd be like, great, here's a perfect match for you. Or here's five people that you can interview. So again, that came from an impact perspective, um, but it was also ticking the box in terms of creativity. So I love that. But the business model wasn't sustainable because it was a one and done service, i.e. you could come to me, I could match you with a VA, you give me $100 or whatever, but that that's it. You know, so actually the number of 
leads and the number of discovery calls and the number of conversions I would need every month wasn't sustainable. Yeah, yeah. Um, so although it worked really nicely as an idea, it took a lot of time, effort, energy, and money to make it work on a regular basis. So again, it comes back to, well, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm going to try this VA matchmaking idea and it will either work or it won't. At least right. I can say I've tried. All right, this isn't scalable. I'm working too hard. Is this the move into coaching or was there another stop in between? There was another stop. So then I decided to do some training for virtual assistants to upskill to become an online business manager because that's what I had kind of transitioned to as well. So it's a higher level version of support working with online businesses. Um, and I was teaching other people to do the same thing as me. Um, I really loved that. I really enjoyed teaching people new things, seeing it make a difference to their to the way they ran their businesses, seeing the light bulb moments from the tiny tweaks that they could make to certain elements of their business. Um, and I ran that for a live round and it worked really, really well. And then I was like, right, I'm going to go evergreen, you know, because I've got these dreams of passive income and, you know, all of that. And yeah, it just yeah. didn't work really okay. from a um, an evergreen um, perspective. So I had all the recordings. Um and it just, and again, it just wasn't the type of revenue stream that I had hoped it would be right. without me putting in that live one-to-one -one time with, with clients as well. So again, glad I tried it. It was a massive learning curve in terms of, you know, it was the first training course I'd ever created and I'm downloading everything that I can think of in my brain and repackaging it in a way that it can be easily consumed by, again, people who think respond and learn differently than me so it was it was a brilliant experience and I'm really glad I did it and I think one of the reasons I move quite quickly on ideas and this is a little bit woo Brett and I don't know how woo you are but no, I'm gonna let's say go. okay I'm gonna <laughs> say it anyway I read something ages ago when I first started my business I consumed business books all the time um to the point where it wasn't healthy, to be honest with you, because at the end of the day, the reading wasn't action. And at one point I had to put the books down and go, okay, now we need to put this into practice. Um, one book said that when you have an idea, somebody else in the world gets the idea at the exact same time. And it's about who puts that into effect first. So every time I have an idea, I'm like, right, VA matchmaking, let's do it now. You know, online business manager, manager training, let's do it now. And I think that has stayed in the back of my mind and has helped with the confidence issue um, along with the whole, well, what's the worst that's going to happen? It won't work? Okay, well, I tried. Yeah, I love, do you remember the name of that book offhand? No, <laughs> I don't. But no, but it's so true, right? Ideas are, are cheap and there's everybody's got ideas, but nobody does, right? So go do it and- Right. There's no downside. I think that's, you know, one of the things I've definitely learned the last four years is kind of that that pivoted well from consulting into fractional now into some of the coaching and the development where the where is this going to go is just do it. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's easier said than done. And, and you know, I joke all the time that when I was in management consulting, I had a colleague that would tell me all the time done is better than perfect. Just go, 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 go. Don't overthink this, because if you do, 
you're not going to learn. So I think that's such good advice and we just need to do more of that. Once you have the idea, you like the idea, just go try it. I love the idea of a lot of smaller bets, right? Because some people give you advice, got to go all in on one big thing and not necessarily. You can test some things and then exactly what you've been doing is testing and figuring out where it wants to go. Does it fit your three Fs? Is this, you know, giving me what I want to do? And, but let's get to where you're at today, which may not be the last chapter based on... (laughs) history. So I was actually advertising myself as a a coach, but in actual fact, I was probably more of a a mentor and a guide, maybe like you. Um, And I wanted something that was positioning me in a slightly different way. And I like the idea of training as a coach, to be honest, I don't think I actually appreciated how in-depth the course was going to be and how much... how much I would need to be on the receiving end of coaching in order to get through this actual training um, course. So it was quite funny because I remember turning up to say the weekly cohort and um, they said, okay, you're going to go into triads now. You know, one person's going to be the coach. One person's going to be the coachee. One person's going to be observing. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I like, what can I possibly be coached on this week? You know, everything's so superficial. And one of the other girls actually said, are you kidding me? I am bringing to these sessions every single problem I have ever had in my life and I am getting my money's worth out of this course. (laughs) And I just thought, wow, that is an amazing way and an amazing mindset switch to think about how to to take this experience up another level as well. So I had to do over 100 hours of coaching to pass. I had to do, I think it was 120 training hours or something. So it really was intense and of course I set myself a ridiculous target to do it all within six months or something silly um and on the day of the exam I was crying my eyes out because I was convinced I wasn't going to pass um you had to to pass you have to do a live coaching session with somebody that had to be within a certain length of time you had to meet most of the criteria set by the International Coaching Federation in order to pass And obviously you have absolutely no idea what the other person is going to say. So I was so stressed that my other half, Adam, actually said to me, if you pass this exam, I'll buy you a kitten because I I love cats, you know, another rescue cat, like give me all the cats. Um, So he was really shocked when I did actually pass. And it took him probably about 18 months to two years for him to actually agree that, yes, he did actually say that. And yes, we could get a a kitten. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's the little motivators sometimes, right? <laughs> I'm not motivated by pets, but I, may, I I do accept bribes through the medium of kittens sometimes. <laughs> but I think it comes back to um, what can I control about this situation? I can't control the outcome. I can't control what the other person says. The only way I can influence what happens next is by how I listen to that person and how I um ask intentional questions in order to pass. So remembering and coming back to and being centered by what can I control versus what I can't control about certain situations has been super helpful throughout, um, you know, the last however many years since starting my business. Um, And it just gives you that peace of mind to go, well, should I be ruminating on this? Should I be playing this scenario over and over again in my mind, worrying about it? Or is there some kind of action that I can take? And it almost allows you to 
embrace that logical brain rather than respond with the ego and the emotional brain. Right. Yeah. And it's a, that's a good life skill. If you can overcome that, I think fortunately I'm, I'm okay with being able to look forward and not dwelling too much on the past, but I mean, we all get caught up on it for, for sure. Yeah. And so, all right. So last couple of questions on the business and I want to get to some of your balance pieces, but all right. So you're starting a new business in a completely new line, right? You get the coaching certification. Did you apply lessons from your previous businesses to go get new clients? What, what did this process look like this time versus when you were just starting the first time? Mm. I think it was tricky again, sorry, special, special me. I'm only joking. Um, because I was still doing online business management and that was still giving me most of my revenue, but I wanted to be doing more coaching. So I'm really aware that confused minds don't buy. So on social media and outwardly, I couldn't be talking about online business manager. And, you know, I've got this email list for virtual assistants. Why don't you sign up to my email list? And oh, by the way, I'm also doing coaching. I had to really narrow my focus for socials outwardly and go, okay, this is the one thing that I'm selling. This is the one thing that I want to be known for. And um, it became a bit of a joke, actually, because I remember having people come up, message me and going, oh, I see that you've changed your LinkedIn headline again. And I'm like, yeah, of course I have. I change it all the time because I see it as this organic thing. And depending on what's happening in the world or, um, maybe like a wording change that somebody has suggested to me, I will constantly change it. Um, And I'm not um, worried about what people think in the sense, oh, she's pivoted again. So what? Who cares? You know, I'm, I'm happy to be doing this, to be of highest service to my clients and have fun along the way and have a positive impact. So um, getting that messaging right um, was was a was a big deal and probably the biggest thing that made a difference because instead of being you know all over the place with the different messaging I got super blinkered laser focused um to focus on that yeah and folks definitely go should go check out your LinkedIn profile because I think it is phenomenal and <laughs> Thank you know you. it's such a good point as I was going through this transition to people would look at me and then having or look at my LinkedIn profile and then have the call they're like all right so what do you do <laughs> Right. Because I had all the different multiple revenue streams because I still do the fractional leadership roles, um, which I still do. But now I've cut that out of LinkedIn. I I just have one little tiny mention, but everything else is now around the corporate escape. You this is what you said. Well, what I want to be known for, who I want to help and directionally, that's where I'm going. But before I had it all in there. And so people are like, what do you do? And yeah. you're right. Complexity kills sales. And it, yeah, right. If you have to explain it, it's going to be really hard to, to get business. So that's, that was my lesson learned, just trial and error. So yeah. we should have had this conversation six months ago. You probably would have saved me some time, <laughs> but, but I think it, it is important to test and it's okay if you change, right? The messaging changes, the, the way it positions, you may hear something a little bit better. It's, it's completely okay. Yeah. So, also like, in the nicest possible way, my ego would like to think that everyone's looking at my LinkedIn profile, but really, no, nobody really cares, you know, not as much as I, I make it out to be. So, no. yeah. Especially if you throw out all the people trying to sell you something and it's just truly there, then it's even a smaller subset of people <laughs> that are, are trying to figure out what that is. So, 
Awesome. Victoria, this has been fantastic. But before I let you go, one thing I wanted to start doing the podcast is, you know, we talk about balance all the time and we've escaped corporate. We, we should be at least striving to find that balance. So from, you know, I would say the, the wellness side or the productivity side, two areas I think are important because you control all of it. Any, anything you find, tips, tricks, strategies uh, in one or both? Um, that have been helpful for you and that bring it up because I know you're you're doing a half Ironman in you know a couple months, which is fantastic. So I'd love for you to share you know some of your personal tricks and strategies to to find some of that balance. Like I said about hiring employees and getting the office space and then realizing I was following somebody else's version of success, that is exactly the same for balance because what feels like and looks like balance for me is going to be completely different for you. So for instance, today I got up at four o'clock because the kitten was climbing all over my face. I had a coffee. I listened to the podcast. I scrolled some social media. I did a little bit of work. I went to swimming at six o'clock, you know, and the house was still completely asleep by the time I got back. For me, I would rather front load my morning than try and cram that into my evening when people like Freya, my daughter is still awake, my other half is still awake. And then me doing those things actually eats away from that precious family time that we have in an evening. To Just to do a bit of a compare and contrast, my other half, it's half term here at the moment, so the schools are closed. He probably got up about about half past 11 today. He's like, has the dog been fed? He will go to sleep probably two o'clock tomorrow morning. That's balance for him. You know, I couldn't do that just like he couldn't do what I do with my early morning starts. But that's because that we know individually when we're most creative and when we're most energetic. So for me, it's in the morning. For him, it's in the evening. So I think once you know that about yourself and about what balance looks like for you, then you can start creating your morning routine or not, you know, your um, working day or not. Like you said earlier, Brett, that you don't want to do calls ordinarily before 10 o'clock because you're more creative at that time in the morning. So once you know that about yourself, and there is a little bit of trial and error, and of course, there's always going to be things that get thrown in and, you know, send you off track. But once you know that about yourself, then you can create a version of balance that is meaningful for you. I think it's such good advice and it took a long time because I used to think I was a night owl, but I don't know, two years ago, maybe made this the switch and it's been coming earlier and earlier and I keep getting up earlier and earlier, but yeah, I wouldn't trade that, that morning time for anything, right? Even if you're not productive for the first hour, you're still like set up two hours before anybody else. And then, like I said, if I can get all my stuff done by 10 where that I used to take a week to do all that stuff, then it's been, it's been a good day and whatever else happens and I could get through, you know, it's great. If not, then so be it. So, so what about, I mean, I am going to ask you about the workouts cause that's a lot of training. So when you, is it early morning? Is that when you're training or do you mix that into throughout the day? No, it is just going to be early morning, I think, because, um, I'm just more energetic that time. I would rather, it's so funny, actually. I don't, and I don't know if you're the same, but professional me really thrives with structure and routine and predictability. Personal me, if you told me that I had to go swimming at six o'clock today, I was like, no, Brett, I'm not doing that. Thank you very much. I will do it when I like. So I, I have these kind of conflicting states that I have to to manage. And I've realized that 
it, doing the workout is something that I need to tick off before I wear any other hats or have any other responsibilities or people needing things from me. And again, that's my version of balance. And that's my kind of self-care as well, because I'm really bad at if work gets busy or there's a, a project that I'm trying to get off the ground, self-care for me will always go to the bottom of the priority pile. So I'm trying to, I'm trying really hard and actively to think about, okay, well, what, what is balance for me and what things do I need to do as a bare minimum for me to feel good? And it's a little bit like that whole, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup where if I do that workout in the morning, that is me topping up my energy levels and topping myself up for the rest of the day as well. And then everybody benefits from me carving out that time. Well, Victoria, thank you so much for for sharing this. It's it's great to get caught up again. Congrats on you know where this has taken you so far. As we say, there's plenty of chapters left, and you're just keep opening them up and and seeing where it's going. So I definitely appreciate you uh, taking the time. And if people want to learn more about you, obviously I want them to go check out your LinkedIn profile. What's the best way to connect? Uh, LinkedIn, yep. Uh, so LinkedIn, whatever it is, forward slash Victoria Tretis. And also, I'm really impressed that you got the pronunciation of my name right at the beginning. There was like no hesitation. And you, you weren't like, is it Tretis? I'm not sure. Victoria Tretis. Love it. I stress out about names. Then I start <laughs> to overthink it. And so I'm like, all right, I'm just have that confidence. I'm going with it. And she'll correct me and we'll edit it out if I'm wrong. So. It was perfect. No editing needed. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, we won't make it 150 episodes between our check-ins again, but definitely appreciate you sharing. There's a lot of value in this and you know, we look forward to, to catching up with you in the future. Thank you so much. Bye.